You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. International success coach and noted author, Constance Arnold, delivers life-changing strategies through her own spiritual practices, as well as with best-selling authors and experts that she interviews. Think, Believe, and Manifest is specially designed to empower your mind and words to work for you and to bring about a life you've been dreaming of. And now, here's Constance Arnold. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. And of course, I am Constance Arnold, host of the Think, Believe, and Manifest talk show. And today, I am broadcasting from a simply beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. So grateful that you have joined me today. And uh, I can say with all of the faith that's on the inside of me, that if you are listening today, that really the Spirit of God has attracted you here so that you can receive the downloads, the answers to your prayers, that one aha moment, uh, so that you can really create and live a very powerful, uh, purposeful, and abundant life. Well, uh, how are you doing today? I am doing great here in the ATL uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. I want to thank all of my listeners. You guys really love me, right? You're emailing me, Constance, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm hearing about what's happening in Atlanta. And all I can say with me is all is well. All is well. And thank you so much for your concern and for your prayers. Well, I have a great show for you today. I have um, Dr. Greg Greg Hammer. I got that out. He's an MD and he's going to talk to us about how do we deal with burnout, stress? How can we move more into meditation and live in a more balanced life? And I can't wait to hear what he has to say. But I want you to make sure that you visit my social media uh, on Instagram, LOA Constance. Facebook Coach with Constance, and of course, my website is fulfillingyourpurpose.com. And while you're on that website, take a look and listen to uh, and read about uh, my clients that I'm coaching on five continents. You know, now it's a shifting, and I would love to work with you. Drum roll, please. I got that out. (laughs) Slow down, Constance. I'm really excited. Um, I'm excited to share with you my new upcoming virtual seminar, which I'm going to hold on July 17th. Guess what the title is? Do what you love and the money will follow. Yay. Or I'm going to say do what you love and the money will eventually follow or uh, discover your purpose and your passion. Do it in a spirit of excellence and money will come to you. So why am I doing this? I've been receiving emails from listeners and they're like, Constance, I want you to do some in the area of a career change or how can I build, increase or expand my online business? And so basically the seminar is for for those who are ready for a career change. Let me just say, if you've been at home and if you, you're working from home or you've been furloughed, you know that there has been a shaking and a shifting in the earth. Things are not the same. You know, these are unprecedented times. And so 
uh, for those who are already thinking about changing careers, you know, you might be feeling like, Constance, I'm bored. I always knew I wanted to do something different. Now that I'm furloughed, I realize that. Uh, you might feel that you have not really tapped into your full potential. So I'm going to be talking to you. I'm going to help you to really find out what your gifts and talents are and uh, to find out how can you transfer the skills that you have now over into your new career and help you come up with some strategies uh, to create a new career. And lastly, help you to ask for and receive financially what you deserve. Everybody see that, you know, I took that career jump myself when I left corporate America, when I went to uh, the school system, and then I eventually started my business. I'm going to say this up front. Everybody doesn't need to start a business. You may be very, very happy just being uh, successful and climbing the corporate ladder, and that's cool. So if you know that you should be doing something different in your career then you should attend this virtual seminar. Okay, all of my people who asked me to teach on how to start an online business, maybe you have a landing page, ain't nothing happened. Maybe you want to start or expand, uh, you know, your online business. I'm going to help you to really take a look at, you really got to understand the current changing global market paradigms around the world if you're going to do entrepreneurship things are different. I'm going to talk to you about how you can find out what your real niche is, you know, what your goods, products, and our services are, and how you can position yourself on the web, how you can leverage the internet so that you can get paid for your services. And so only 10 people, you're going to be receiving my one-on-one -on -one real time, as I call it, coaching. You can ask me anything. And folks, it's time for a change. Some things are not going back to the same. And I know a lot of you have, have been shaken. You thought your job was just stable. I told somebody it's not any such thing as stability in business or, uh, you know, in corporate America, or in the private sector, or even in the government. I feel like this is the spirit shaking us up and saying, hey, I put gifts and talents and abilities in you. And I'm going to help you learn how to monetize those. Let me say up front, when I say do what you love and the money will follow, that that will take time. That's why I put do what you love and eventually the money will follow. My life is an example of everything that I'm going to be sharing with these 10 people. Uh, it's only $99. Anywhere you live globally, you can attend. It's going to be July 17th. That's a Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1230 Eastern Standard Time. So aren't you ready for a change? I know when I was uh, sitting in my office, uh, in my job, I was like, there's something more. There's something more to life. I I deserve more. I deserve more money. And I tell people, say, when I'm taking a leap of faith, I believe in taking a strategic leap. So it took me a year just to get myself together to take a strategic leap.
So if you're ready for change, if you're tired of being born, if you know that there's more in you, if you would like to baby step your way towards making more money, if you feel like you've been looked over on your job, if you need somebody to teach you how to ask, you know, for uh, for your worth, that's really big. Uh, if you want to learn, if you're an entrepreneur, if you want to learn why why you are not receiving more traffic to your landing page, or what are some things that you can do differently? And I guess the main thing I want to say is, how can you be a solution to your organization or from my online entrepreneurs? How can you be a solution to the world to bring about healing, wholeness with your products, goods, and or services? I'm going to help you figure that out because when you do, money will eventually come to you. And we are more than about money. We are about using our gifts and our talents. You know, when you're passionate about something, you're going to really do it in an excellent manner. If if I'm tired and not even feeling my best, if somebody asks me to come and speak, I'm going to get up and I'm going to be energized. Why? That's my passion. That's my gift, etc. So register now. Go to my website, fulfillingyourpurpose.com. Only 10 people. I'm excited about meeting you in person. And I think that's all I have to say. Everybody, let's stay tuned. And uh, we're going to go to these quick commercials. And then I'm excited to hear what uh, Dr. Greg Hammer is going to teach us about how to live a balanced, stress-free life. Stay tuned, everybody. Do you have an upcoming event where you need a dynamic speaker? Constance Arnold is a sought-after keynote speaker that will enlighten the entire audience with proven strategies that are aligned with your organization's vision and mission. An experienced speaker for major Fortune 500 companies, Constance has entertained audiences with inspiring change. Constance would love to make your next event an extraordinary success. Contact her today at Constance at FulfillingYourPurpose.com. For the past 30 years, Constance Arnold has coached clients globally in the areas of relationships, wealth, and career. Her vast clinical background gives her extraordinary understanding of human behavior to accelerate manifestation. Every coaching client receives proven action plans to create change from the inside out. Constance will be right by your side. Talk to her today at Constance at FulfillingYourPurpose.com. Well, everyone, I'm really excited, and I know what you're saying. Constance, you're always excited, but you know, I believe that the Spirit brings to us every week just what we need, and uh, today is no exception. We are so blessed and honored to have with us our Dr. Greg Hammer. He's an MD, Standard University professor, physician, and best-selling author. And today, he's going to be teaching us about how we can deal with burnout, stress. How can we handle everything that's going on globally with the pandemic, with everything that's going on with all of the protests globally? He's going to teach us how to do that. And we're so blessed and honored to have him. So let's welcome Dr. Greg. Hammer to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome. 
Thank you so much, Constance. It's really a pleasure to be with you. Well, we need you so much. But before we get started, tell our listeners a little bit about your background professionally, your work, and then your own story about, you know, how are you dealing with everything that's happening and burnout? Sure. Okay. I, uh, I'm from the Chicago area. I've been out on the West Coast in the Bay Area for many years. I've been at Stanford practicing pediatric cardiac anesthesia and intensive care medicine for 25 years. I am a longtime fitness enthusiast and meditator. Uh, started uh, meditating uh, back when I was 18 years old. Wow. And, uh, Stopped eating meat at that time also. So I've been a vegetarian for many, many years, decades, and also uh, uh, generally a fitness enthusiast. So exercise and nutrition are near and dear to me. And for the last 10 years, I've been uh, very much into a practice of Advaita, which is also called non-duality. It's essentially just about being present. Mm. The principles in non-duality and mindfulness are very similar. And I think, in fact, all truthful practices point in the same direction, and that is that happiness comes from being present. If you think about the happiest times in your life, it's when you were very present, not having thoughts of the past or the future. And I think that notion is common to Advaita and also mindfulness practice, which has become relatively popular. So I've been involved in uh, wellness for a long time. And for the last five years, I've been involved in our WellMD program at Stanford, where I practice and teach. And we've been addressing the problem of burnout, which is a huge problem in medicine and also in other specialties, but certainly in medicine, burnout is of critical importance to address because it causes a decrement in the quality of care that we deliver when we're feeling burned out, and that may be a life and death situation, literally. So I've been very involved in wellness for physicians and other healthcare providers, and uh, also teaching a form of meditation which I derived, which is called GAIN or the GAIN method. And the GAIN method includes a focus on the elements of the acronym of GAIN, which are gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. So we can talk about the importance of right. those. And then I had some sabbatical time uh, in the last year, and so I decided to write a book since my talks on wellness and uh, doing a little meditation at the end of my lectures was uh, really resonating with people. And so I thought, why not try to spread the word a little bit more broadly? And, and therefore, I wrote the book that you were kind enough to read last night. I stayed up all last night. I should get a, a, a five stars on my forehead like they do elementary <laughs> school <laughs> children. And, you know, it, it's a great book. And, and I was really attracted to it and really immersed just in the principle that you shared because with everything that's happening globally people really need lots of simple how-to's and practices that they can you know implement in their everyday lives 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree completely. So, so with everything that's happening, Dr. Globally, and we know a lot of people are working from home and then they're trying to homeschool their children and then some people may be furloughed. How can we begin to deal with that level of stress, change, and burnout? That's a great question, Constance. First of all, maybe we can talk about stress a little bit. Okay. There are sort of two kinds of stress, you might say, acute stress and chronic stress. Acute stress involves a reaction, our, our body's physiologic reaction to a variety of circumstances that occur rather suddenly. For example, if you're frightened by somebody slamming a door or if your child fell into the swimming pool and you need to get them out quickly, these elicit reactions in the body called the stress response. And those reactions in the body include an increase in a hormone called cortisol and another hormone called epinephrine, which is more commonly known as adrenaline. So when your adrenaline and cortisol suddenly spike in response to a situation that demands your urgent response, your blood sugar goes up from the cortisol and also from the adrenaline and, and the adrenaline causes your heart rate to go up and your blood pressure to go up. And these things may be adaptive initially because it might help you pull your child out of the swimming pool or run away from a predator. You wanna have adrenaline for that. But when the stress lasts for more than a brief period of time and goes on for days and weeks and months as so many people are experiencing now, that stress or chronic stress is really maladaptive. In mm -hmm. other words, it's not something that is beneficial to us, but rather causes a lot of changes in our body that are not consistent with good health. And they include an increase in our blood sugar again, um, increase in our blood pressure, our heart rate uh, interferes with our sleep for a number of reasons, uh, including some other hormones that are elicited in chronic stress. Um, we are fatigued. We have uh, depression of our mood. And actually our body undergoes changes that are similar to those we see in aging. Mm. And one way we actually can show that is that uh, we can look at little structures called telomeres. Telomeres are the little caps at the end of our chromosomes. And if you read my book, I, I spoke a little bit about telomeres. Right. They're very interesting little structures. They're sort of like the protective ends of our shoelaces, those plastic-like tips of our shoelaces that keep our shoelaces from fraying. And the telomeres do that with our chromosomes. They protect our chromosomes from becoming frayed. And as we age, the telomeres on our chromosomes become shorter and less effective at protecting our chromosomes. And the same thing happens when we have chronic stress. So we we've, can look at the chromosomes under a microscope and take people who are under stress and measure their adrenaline and cortisol and other hormone levels, their vital signs, including their heart rate and blood pressure, and compare those to healthy people who are not stressed and those that are chronically stressed have shorter telomeres. And this is something, again, that happens as we age. It's not beneficial to us. 
So how can we prevent ourselves from having this chronic stress response? And um, we can help our bodies become de-stressed by having practices that focus us on the present. You know, we have constants, as you read in my book, something called a negativity bias. Right. That is, we tend to remember negative experiences and forget about the positive ones. And so when we think about the past and the future, we often think of the negative elements of the past and the future. So, for example, when we think of the past, we often think about things that are embarrassing or we feel shame or regret. We judge ourselves harshly for making some of the decisions that we made. And when we go to the future, we really focus on fear and anxiety. And again, this is because of our negativity bias. And, and one thing we do when we obsess on the future is we catastrophize. That is, we think of the worst case scenario, even though somewhere else in our mind, we know that the worst case scenario will probably never come to be. But because of our negativity bias, we do catastrophize. And so, so many of us now are, are obsessing about the future. What's gonna happen? You know, when will I get my job back? How will I pay the bills? Um, you know, when will this COVID-19 pandemic become under control so that I can see my friends and my loved ones who, with whom I'm not living at the moment? And we always go to the worst case scenario. Oh, it's gonna be months to years, or you know, I'm gonna run out of money and these terrible things are gonna happen. And we do need to think of the future so that we can plan. But when we catastrophize, we, elicit this chronic stress response in our body. So the simple answer is, let's try to be present as much as we can, and let's embrace the four aspects of gain. And that is, let's focus on that for which we're grateful. Let's accept the things that we cannot change. Let's use our intention or purposefulness to rewire our brain to think in a more positive way and let's be non-judgmental of others and especially ourselves which i think for most of us is the most difficult thing to do so we can go into those things in more we detail can. like well let me use me myself as an example you know i've been watching everything that's been happening in the country you know i live in atlanta it's like the the civil rights capital <clears throat> You know, I know a lot of people that are involved in righteous justice. And so for listeners, all of us who have been, you know, really watching what's happening, how can we shift and change that to something, even though I'm very positive, etc.? How can people not feel hopeless or angry or upset behind what they're seeing every day over the last probably 10 days. Absolutely. Uh -huh. I'm sure you're referring to the George Floyd situation and, and other uh, instances of police brutality and um, then going to the broader issue of racial injustice and the bias in our society. 
And, and, of course, and, and you know, yeah. I asked that question because even my international listeners, I think I've received about 20 emails. Constance, I live in London and this is what we're doing here. I live in Australia. I live in Belgium. And so globally, I've been getting these emails and I knew that I was interviewing you today. And I wanted to ask you, how can what what should those people do? What should we all do, actually? Well, without going into my own opinions about what we should do related to racial injustice and focusing on the response. Taking care of ourselves. Yes. But going to that topic is I think it's an it's a it's an excellent example of adversity that presents a choice to us. Shall we take this adversity and be miserable? Or shall we face this adversity with pragmatism? And so we can, for example, go to the A in gain, and that is acceptance. And that means that we should focus on discerning between the things we can change and the things that we cannot change. And then focus on what we can change and open our hearts and simply accept and stop resisting that which we cannot change. So, for example, with regard to the racial injustice that permeates our society, we can focus on that and determine to ourselves, okay, what is my role? What can I do to make an impact? What can I do to help change this situation? And different people come to different decisions about that, Constance, of course. Some people want to go out and march, and that has an impact. And and that's a practical thing that we can do to help change the circumstances, however small our individual contribution may be. Or we can simply make a commitment to change the way we behave toward others. And that goes to the end and gain and non-judgment We can treat everybody without judging them. Obviously, that includes race and ethnicity, um, but non-judgment is a choice that we make. So focusing again on acceptance, we need to determine what we can change and what we can't change. And when we decide, well, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I can change. And this is what I cannot change. Then we need to accept that which we cannot change. The alternative is just dwelling in this sort of ambiguous cloud of misery and going to our negativity bias, living in our own internal environment, which may be extremely uncomfortable and stressful. And again, I think by determining what what we can change and what we cannot change and focusing on what we think we can change and accepting what we can't change, we move toward being more present and happy. And I think that as the serenity prayer would teach us, this is really central to most philosophies and religions. And that is the idea of accepting things we cannot change and having the wisdom to discern what we can and cannot change. So that may seem overly simplistic, but the alternative is really sort of wallowing in this milieu of of pain and suffering and of course we can all drown in that milieu and so we have to decide how we want to approach this 
You know, I agree. You know, somebody asked me and I said, you know, I'm looking at what can I do in my own life with the platform that I have? What can I do to, first of all, change my own self, my own thinking, my own beliefs, my own attitudes? And then from that place of love, like you said, um, and, and, and forgiveness to really serve and give to make the change in, you know, in my own arena. So that's very powerful. So let's go over the four steps of gain. You shared a little bit about a couple of those steps. So essentially, if a person, no matter what circumstance and or, or condition a person might feel like they're in right now, whether that be a stay-at-home mom, uh, while homeschooling her children, <laughs> working from home now, somebody who's furloughed, maybe a small business owner who really doesn't know what he or she is going to do with their business. They can really take these four steps that you're going to share and really implement them in their everyday life. Sure, Constance. Uh, okay. Well, we can start with the G in gain, and that's uh gratitude. Let's think about the COVID-19 or coronavirus pandemic for a moment. Okay. Certainly this has had all kinds of terrible consequences and leads to a feeling of anxiety that many of us sense in our chest. We're all in this together. Let's actually look back a hundred years at the great influenza pandemic of 1918. It really is from 1917 to 1919 because it came in a few waves. And just imagine, or beyond imagination actually, let's remember or be made aware of how terrible things were. And you can actually search online under influenza pandemic 1918 and see images and read about how terrible it was. First of all, 50 million people, give or take, died worldwide. Hopefully wow. that's magnitudes greater than the kind of global death that we will have as a result of the current COVID-19 pandemic. But conditions were just so much worse. We had no internet, obviously, so we couldn't do what you and I are doing and your listeners right now. We couldn't be in touch with our loved ones unless they were living with us. We had very little medical care. The medical system was far more overwhelmed than it is now. There was very little treatment and food was short, everything that we need, all of our necessities were in shortage. Even trucks to pick up bodies from homes wow. were deficient. There weren't enough caskets for all of the bodies that were piling up. There weren't even enough burial sites. So people began to be buried in mass graves, as horrible as that is to imagine. So now let's think of our current circumstances and be grateful that we have it so much better than we did then. And I guess this is sort of in the realm of no matter how bad things are, they could be worse. Mm -hmm. So let's be grateful. Let's focus on our gratitude for these tools that we have now, for the medical care that we have now, for the communication we have now, albeit some people are a little bit obsessive about having CNN on 12 hours a day, which is not a healthy thing to do, but at least we have the ability to tune in and get information. We have the ability to pick up the phone or, or get online with Skype or FaceTime or Zoom and, and 
connect with our loved ones. We may be physically isolated, but we don't have to be socially isolated. So let's be grateful for all of the good things we have. Let's focus on the positive things that we have and not on the things that we don't have, that we wish we would have. So gratitude, I think, Constance, is really central, again, to all philosophies that, that lead in the direction of happiness. And uh, I think you can be blind and happy, you can be deaf and happy, you can be otherwise physically disabled and be happy, but you can't be ungrateful and be happy. Gratitude so is just true. an essential ingredient, yes. So that's, that's the first thing I would, I would ask people to think about, as difficult as it may seem, you know, we have a choice about our thought process and our thought processes, and, and that goes to the eye or intention in game. We can decide what to think about and what not to think about, and I'm not advocating that we suppress our thoughts because resisting leads to an increase in suffering, but rather that we open our hearts and embrace a more grateful non-judgmental way of thinking. And, and if we do that every day, it's a practice and we will get better at it and, and we can rewire the way we think. And that starts with gratitude. Now, that's so great. And, you know, it's a decision. I love that you said it's a choice and a decision that uh, each individual can can do and really create their own happiness every day. Absolutely. Be grateful for your loved ones, for example, and, and reach out to them. And, you know, there are some silver linings to this pandemic. One of them is I think that most of us, certainly many of us, have come to really have an increased appreciation for those people in our lives whom we love. And so I think when this is over and we have more ability to to be with our loved ones, hopefully that appreciation will carry on and it's not something that we'll forget about. So true. You know, I really appreciate my friends more. And even though we've been, you know, really communicating via Zoom, um, I went over to, to my BFF house the other day and I was like, wow, it is so good to see you. <laughs> Yes. And uh, I was just so appreciative and just radically grateful for every little thing. Whenever I go in the grocery store, I always tell the essential workers, thank you so much for what you're doing. And before yes. I, I, I wasn't that appreciative. Of so, course. I mean, there's so much we took for granted. So many people we took for granted. And now we see these people really putting themselves in harm's way. And we're grateful for what we what they do. Now, why can't we be grateful for what many, many people in our lives do every day, regardless of a pandemic? You know, of course we can be grateful for that. It's just that our minds go to this sort of more negative space and we, we, we take things for granted as opposed to recognizing with gratitude all of the wonderful things that people in our lives do every day. That's so great. You talked about the A acceptance a little bit. Do you want to uh, uh, share more inf more uh, insight into that? Sure. Okay. Again, as the, as the Serenity Prayer would have us believe, 
it's fundamentally true that we can make a decision with respect to what we can change and what we cannot change. And what we can change, we should then decide, okay, how much time do I want to spend dedicating myself to affecting change? But do it with intention and purposefulness. And at the same time, determine what cannot be changed. And in my gain meditation that I teach, um, we sit and, and get in touch with our breathing, so central to any kind of contemplative or meditative practice. And then we spend time contemplating our gratitude and then we transition to acceptance. And there are certain things that come to mind immediately, things that I cannot change, for example. And as you know from reading the book, I lost my, my beautiful boy who yeah. was 29 years old three years ago. Mm. So that usually comes to me first when I'm doing my morning gain meditation, that's something I clearly cannot change. And so that's something I have to accept. So that's a very dramatic example. But I sit and I actually visualize my chest opening and my heart opening and bringing in this these sensations that are associated with thinking about my son's death and, and bring them closer and closer and really merge with those sensations. Don't resist them. As you may recall, I have a formula in my book, which is that suffering equals pain times resistance. Hmm. So you have a pain. I certainly have a pain with respect to my son's death. But if I resist the sensations that that brings, my suffering will increase. If I let go of that resistance, which is acceptance, my suffering will decrease. The pain is still there unmitigated, but by embracing it, letting it in and fully accepting it, I decrease my level of suffering. And so we all have elements in our lives that are extremely painful to us and we try not to think about them in many cases. And although I wouldn't recommend that we overthink things, there is a time to let that discomfort and that suffering into our hearts as we sit, for example, with our gain meditation and really just fully accept it. And this is uncomfortable at first, but after a while we find that, you know, I can accept that. It's not as painful or eliciting as much suffering as I thought. It was actually that trying not to think about it and pretending it wasn't so would actually made the suffering worse. So it's kind of a relief in general when we open our hearts and accept those painful things that we cannot change. And so that really is the nuts and bolts of the practice of acceptance. Well, you know, you mentioned, and we're going to go to the I in a minute, you mentioned uh, br breath and the importance of just meditation and, and, and breathing and, you know, following your breath and how powerful is that for listeners who are in a, uh, a difficult time right now? The breath is, yeah, it's our, it's our life. You yeah. know, it's, it's, uh, I was going to say it's our life's blood, but no, it's not. It's our life's air, if you will. Uh, it's, it's so important to contemplate our breath. I mean, it's really kind of a miracle. And, and may elicit gratitude, for example, 
to think that we don't have to be cognizant of it. It just our bodies will breathe in and out automatically and, and most of the time without any effort at all. So sitting and closing our eyes and just really being in touch with and, and experiencing the fullness of the breath as we breathe in through our nose and let's slow it down. Let's breathe in to a slow count of three, pause for a count of two, and then just effortlessly exhale through our nose or mouth to a count of four. And by slowing our breath down, some really wonderful things happen with our physiology. Our heart rate goes down, our blood pressure goes down, we suppress the adrenaline in our blood or we cause it to dissipate. And this has a beneficial effect on our health and our physiology. And so the breath is so important and many of your listeners will recognize that when they're very anxious, sometimes they almost forget to breathe or they yeah. breathe in a very shallow manner. And when they realize they need to take a deep breath and they do so, there's something kind of magically releasing about doing that. And, and so the breath is, a, is really a central element in controlling our physiology in a positive way. And, and so I think sitting when we're gonna do our gain meditation and spending 15 or 20 or 30 seconds just focusing on the miracle of our breath and, and, and kind of sensing that subtle little sweetness in the air as we take a breath in through our nose and we pause and then we let it go and, and, and there's no effort involved and it, it brings a certain magic and, and a healthy quality with it. So that's kind of the start. I think that gets us in the frame of mind to go on with the contemplations of, of the gain elements that follow. Well, that's so great. You sound like you meditate, Dr. Ham. You sound so peaceful, so calm, so cool. It comes through loud and clear. Well, thank you very much, Constance. <laughs> I appreciate that. So that most of the time, that, <laughs> most of the time, I agree with you. So the I, the I in game. Yes, the I is for intention, and it reminds us that we benefit from being purposeful in our thought processes and in our actions. And again, I think this is central to many philosophies. It's just fundamentally true that we can be purposeful about how we think and behave and therefore make conscious decisions that point us in a positive direction rather than in the generally negative way we tend to think and, and be dragged down into, into a direction that's really not of benefit to us. And I don't know if you have read anything about mindfulness uh, I have. or taken a mindfulness class, but John Kabat-Zinn, who's really the founder of mindfulness-based stress reduction practice, said that mindfulness was actually being in the present moment on purpose. So it's purposeful and involves intention. So we can utilize our intention to rewire the way we think. 
you know, we think in a negative way too, too much of the time. And uh, we focus on the negative rather than the positive. And uh, as you may have read in the book, I give an example of one of my trainees uh, with whom I was working in the operating room doing anesthesia for some very challenging procedures one day. So I was working with a resident or fellow. We had four difficult cases to, to manage for having major surgeries. And uh, the first case went beautifully. The, the trainee did all of the procedures, put a little catheter in the artery, put the breathing tube in the trachea, put in an epidural catheter to manage the patient's post-operative pain. And everything was flawless. The patient woke up very comfortable. Um, the breathing tube was removed in the operating room, and the patient did perfectly well. The second case, exactly the same, except that the trainee could not get the little arterial catheter in, and so I had to step in and do that procedure. But everything else went perfect, all of the procedures and the, and the care that was delivered by the trainee. And the third and the fourth case were just like the first one, flawless. So the trainee goes home, has dinner with his or her spouse, is getting ready to go to bed and is sort of taking stock of their day and reflecting back on the cases that we did together. And do they think of all the positive things? Do they think of everything that was flawless and they did a great job and, and how well the patients did? No, they think of the little arterial catheter that they couldn't get in and that yeah. I had to come in and do that. And that it's you know, just happens all the time. And it's, you know, taking one element that didn't go as well as it might have in the context of a hundred elements that were really, really well executed. And and that's the one negative thing that happened that the trainee will think about as they prepare to go to sleep at night. And it interferes with their sleep. And you know, why should they be thinking about that amidst all of the wonderful things? Could they make a different decision? And before they were going to sleep, think of all the positive things. And that brings to mind a study and a project that is, I believe, still ongoing at Duke University called Three Good Things. Hmm. And this is an excellent example of how we can use our purposefulness or intention to rewire our brains. And to enter this project or the study, one would fill out an online questionnaire that relates to their quality of life. How happy are they? Are they feeling stressed or burnt out? So you answer a number of questions and you get a score. And then you begin the practice of three good things. And all that involves is that every night before you go to sleep, you think of three positive, wonderful things that happened during your day. So tonight, I can tell you that I will think of what a beautiful day it is here at Stanford, where I have a lovely home. I will think of what a lovely conversation you and I had, Constance, okay. starting before you went on the air. And I'll think of uh, the lovely bike ride I'm going to go on later this afternoon. I can also think about the lovely dinner I will have had, et cetera. And then before I go to sleep, I'll just be mindful of, of at least three of those things. And what they've shown in the Duke study by repeating these quality of life questionnaires, one baseline and then as one continues the practice of three good things, is that simply thinking of three good things before we go to sleep makes us happier 
improves our sleep. And it just has such a positive effect on us. And that's an excellent example of how something so simple that virtually takes no time at all. You can think of the three good things while you're turning down the bed or, you know, what have you, has such a positive impact on us. Just yeah. the intention and the purposefulness of doing something so simple. And if we expand on that into other areas of our lives, you know, just imagine our potential for being happy and present. Oh, that's so good. That's great info. So, and what lastly, tell us about the N in gain. The N stands for non judgment. And we are very judging creatures, as you know, Constance. We're, mm -hmm. Our minds are consciously and subconsciously evaluating everything in our environment almost continuously and comparing things and, and rendering things as being good or bad, uh, deciding that this person is better looking than I am or I'm smarter than that person or, oh, this driver is an idiot. They didn't put on their turn signal. We're constantly making these judgments. And how much of those judgments are really a benefit to us? Generally, they're not helpful. In fact, they're harmful. And we judge ourselves particularly harshly. And is this necessary? It's exhausting. It kind of saps our energy. And if you think about it, when you compare yourself to someone else, whether you, you, you believe that you're better or taller or better looking or smarter than the other person or the other way around, it's really not helpful and it, it makes us feel, you know, it's a little hit of something uncomfortable, at least I think so. And, and I'll tell you an interesting thing that happened to me when I was studying Qigong at a retreat with a master whose name is Ming Tong. He did an exercise with us. So there were maybe 75 of us sitting in a large room and he had us pair off with our partner and he said, okay, arbitrarily, let's start. The people who have the shorter hair are going to look at their partner and say repeatedly, you are bad. You are bad. You are bad. And then we switch places. And then he said, okay, the first person now turn to their partner and say, you are good repeatedly. You are good. You are good. You are good. And then we switch places. And then he asked everybody how it felt to tell somebody or to hear from somebody you are bad. And everybody thought it, it, it was unpleasant. Then he asked, how did it feel to tell your partner you are good or to hear your partner say you are good? And, and most people said, well, that was good. That was pleasant. That was positive. And I thought to myself, huh, he's going to make a point here. And I'm not so sure I enjoyed hearing that I'm good or telling the other person. And then, and then he said something that clarified the whole exercise, which was that even when you tell somebody they are good or you hear from somebody they're good, they're making a judgment. Mm. And five minutes from now, they may change their mind. And so is a judgment really necessary? Or can we just sort of accept the way things are, goes to acceptance. These are all interrelated, these gain principles. And, and do we have to make the judgments that we do? And in fact, let's just look at the world exactly as it is without judgment. We can do so with a certain beneficence, but let's just be non-judgmental and let's give that a try. So 
that is the fourth element in our gain meditation beside the breathing. And we go back to the breath when we're done contemplating non-judgment, including non-judgment of ourselves. And go back to the breath and then slowly open our eyes and we're ready to go out in the world. And we can set our intention for practicing these things. Today, I want to be grateful. I want to, the first situation where I find that I'm not pleased, I'm going to go to gratitude. Or today, I'm going to do a non-judgment exercise. When I'm driving to work, the first time somebody begins to cut me off or change lanes without using their turn signal, I'm going to start to do my usual judgment, but I'm going to catch myself and let go of that and see how it feels. And it will feel good. Um, I tell the story of riding my bike to work, which I'm very fortunate to be able to do here on campus. And I, I, I ride my bike through a narrow lane. There's often a person walking on the lane. And as I approach them on my bike, I see they're kind of in my way. And then I get a little closer. I notice they have their buds in their ears and and they're looking at their screen down this beautiful lane covered by trees. Why is this person looking at their screen? Why do they have their buds in their ears? They're sort of disconnected from everything around them. And why are they walking in the middle of the path? They're in my way. And I catch myself. Mm. I say, I'm making judgments about this person. Why don't I just let go of those judgments? And I do. And I kind of smile to myself. And as I pedal past the person, I look at them and smile. And they look at me and smile. And it's a very pleasant experience. So it turned kind of like a minor aggravation into a pleasant interaction simply by letting go of the judgment. And I think really that's the magic of of these elements of game. This is so great. You know, we have about five minutes left, doctor, but I want to ask you something personally. So you talked about how you, you are really big into exercise and eating properly, et cetera. Do you believe that, that that listeners can really begin to practice exercise, nutrition, and that can really bring more wholeness to their lives. And how has that those two principles impacted your life? That's a great question, Constance. I, I have always been into sports and mm-hmm. athletics. And, uh, you know, even after I couldn't necessarily compete in athletics, I've always been in into exercising as often as possible. And I've been very focused on nutrition. I stopped eating meat and I I got my undergraduate degree in nutritional science. And uh, it's still very much a part of my intensive care practice is trying to optimize nutrition in my patients who are critically ill. So yes, those have been a part of my life uh, as far back as I can remember. But all of us can do better. And I think, uh, you know, I have chapters in the book on sleep, exercise, and nutrition that I did with experts at Stanford. So those chapters are co-authored with really smart people. Uh, We can all do better. We can improve our sleep hygiene. Um, We can, and there are a number of examples on on how to do that. Uh, We can improve our physical fitness and we can eat better, you know, move toward a plant-based diet. Um, move toward what we all know are the healthy ways to eat. And sleep, exercise, and nutrition really are fundamental to our ability to think and and live in a more positive way. They are sort of the pedestal on which we stand. So very, very important. 
Well, you know, you are a great, I've been mesmerized by what you've been saying, actually. You have a gift from God to really share, you know, this, these powerful principles. So uh, are you speaking? I know, I know a lot of things are really virtual now, but are you available to, to speak to different groups, etc.? Give uh, all of our listeners your, your contact information, your website, and what services you might have available. And, and also, how can we get your book? Sure. Well, okay. I appreciate that, Constance. <clears throat> Excuse me. My book is on Amazon. Um, the best thing to do might be to go to my website, which is greghammermd.com. So all lowercase, no punctuation, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D.com. So that will have a link to the Amazon site where my book is. The book is called Gain Without Pain. The Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Providers or Healthcare Professionals, rather. And I think even people who are not in healthcare uh, would enjoy it and benefit from it. <clears throat> and so you can go to Amazon and then just uh, put in the search window, Gain Without Pain, Greg Hammer, or go to my website, greghammermd.com. And through the website, you can easily find out uh, how I can be contacted. I'd be more than happy to comply with speaking invitations, et cetera, which I, I, I do frequently. Obviously, that's a bit on hold now with the pandemic, but um, doing a lot of interviews and, and some teaching online and, and on my website, there are links to the audio and audiovisuals for lots of interviews that I've done. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Doctor. I mean, you have really shared some powerful information for listeners all over the world. So no matter if you're in Africa, Asia, Canada, the Caribbean, wherever Europe, wherever you are and you're listening to this, you can really begin to shift and change your life and really manifest more happiness in your life by these powerful principles that have been shared today. Doctor, thank you so much once again for being a guest on my show. I'm so grateful. Constance, I'm the uh, I'm the grateful one, and I very much appreciate being invited, and it's been lovely speaking with you. All right, everybody, remember to visit my website, fulfillingyourpurpose.com, and email me at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com, and I want you to think, feel, believe, and say that something good is going to happen to me and through me this week, so make it a great week. Thank you for listening to Think, Believe, and Manifest. Constance Arnold will be back next week with another great show just for you. For more information, please visit fulfillingyourpurpose.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.